This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what? they were doing they were also playing chumba casino coincidence i think not everybody's loving having fun with it chumba casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere even at thirty thousand feet so sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus that's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time for another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. My name is Michael Beck, deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Joined as by always, Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how you doing tonight? Doing good, Matt. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and we, of course, we got a very special guest with uh, with us uh, this evening here. Uh, JT O'Sullivan, former NFL quarterback, uh, host of the, the QB School. JT, how are you doing? I'm doing well, y'all. I'm excited for this one. Perfect. We, we, we've been uh, looking forward to having you on. Uh, we definitely, I think we got hooked uh, right around the time your Ben Roethlisberger uh, episode dropped. Uh, that was uh, one of our, I think we've talked about that a lot on our uh, on our Slack channels. But uh, speaking of Ben Roethlisberger, I'm curious how much uh, you think he still has left in the tank, uh, JT. I mean, it's a fascinating question. I, I certainly think that he's got enough in the tank to put a magical season together. You know, I think he's been a unique talent for a long time in the league, what he does, how his game has evolved. But I mean, guys had an unbelievable career on so many different levels and whether what that looks like here uh, towards the tail end of it, you know, I think it hopefully continues to get an opportunity to stay healthy, but allow him to be big Ben and kind of evolved big Ben and what that looks like moving forward for them. You know, it's, it's certainly put a lot of fear and issues in that division for a long time and just hoping for another great run for him. JT, in, the, in your uh, video where you covered Ben Roethlisberger, you talk about uh, him doing Big Ben things and what's you know kind of a classic Big Ben thing is uh, him just taking throws that really aren't there and just making them anyways. Just, just uh, Can you dig into that bit for Steeler fans to understand just how different it is for Ben Roethlisberger uh, compared to like 
a quarterback who is doing exactly what the offense is, is designed to do. Who's not big. Yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, I always think of, and I know this is an oversimplification, but there's that, I think it's somewhat viral video of him like doing that quarterback drill where people are like moving around like little medicine balls and he's just like, get off me, get off me, get off me, make a throw. And there's an element of that that he's just always done. He's had this playmaker ability, kind of stand back there like a big redwood tree, bounce off of them, make some, you know, crazy throw and has always been able to like keep that franchise relevant and around. And that's to me is doing big Ben things. I think the other thing that he does, and I'm jealous of it on a number of different levels is never anywhere close to that, but he's got the ability to turn down throws, meaning that it looks like a pump fake, but really he's going to throw it, throw it, throw it. And then he decides not to and turns it down. And then he's able to get onto something else or keep the play alive and find something better. And so it's, it's not necessarily a pump fake, but it's, it's almost like Tiger Woods stopping in his backswing. You know, it's just once you get going, it's hard to kind of like have the strength, have the ability, have that kind of decision to turn it down that he's always been able to do. Now, I've also I've seen it the vast majority of the time. It goes really well. Sometimes it can go sideways. I remember one year I was in uh, Cincinnati and we rolled through that division, beat everybody that year. And he had a couple turnovers against us. And he's trying to do too much that occasionally creeps into that type of game. But, geez, for the longest time, he's been doing it at such a high level that it's just a unique skill set because he's so big, uh, has been able to make so many plays like that from within and without the pocket, just hard to bring down. Now, for a number of years here, it seems like anytime someone's coming out in the NFL draft that's 6'5", 240, people try to compare them to Ben Roethlisberger. But... He plays kind of a, a different game. Would you say he, he compares to anyone, or is that even a, a fair assessment for uh, for these analysts to try to be throwing their name uh, towards Ben Roethlisberger? I don't know. I mean, who's an example of someone Big Ben compares to? I, I honestly, like, to me, it would be like, uh, geez, I don't know, almost like a healthy, smaller Dante Culpepper. Like, you know, like that type of, like, I mean, Culpepper was small to me compared to Big Ben. Like, I mean, they're still athletic, dynamic, big arms. But, like, you're talking about guys coming out recently. I can't think of anybody who has that kind of size and still plays the position that way. He plays the position a little bit with, like, that old school, new school, meaning he's always been able to, like, be creative, make plays outside the structure of the play. But he's also evolved to get the ball out of his hand quickly and play from within the pocket, distribute the ball. And so – you know, he's gone through multiple iterations of what that offense has looked like, and uh, it's a tribute to him. Is that a difficult kind of quarterback for an offensive coordinator to work with and design an offense around uh, when you have someone who can just do his own thing? And, uh, I mean, you've been in a lot of quarterback rooms. You've you've been in a lot of these meetings. What is What is that like if you have a quarterback who can kind of just do his own thing and have success? And the offensive coordinator is trying to create an offensive structure, you know, around that. I mean, geez, I don't think it would be ever be viewed as a negative. I guess it could be if you thought like they were just going rogue and like going recess on you, you know, on some of these plays, which I, I don't think is the is the way for any professional quarterback I've ever been around. They try to execute the offense at the highest level possible. And if it's not there, hey, I'm not going to take a sack. Uh, let's go create, let's get on the edge, let's do a scramble drill, let's do those types of things that 
some of the guys are just better at and more, you know, whether it's more athletic, the vision down the field, playmaker ability, those types of things. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's uh, a play caller I've ever been around would be like, Hey, you know, instead of uh, getting outside the pocket, if it's not there, why don't you go ahead and just take a sack or eat it? You know, I think that they, they think of it as almost like a get out of free jail card. Like, Hey, uh, you know, I remember being around Mike McCarthy when he was the offense coordinator in New Orleans for my first three years in the league. And he used to tell us all the time, we're going to have five scramble plays a game, five of them. If we can get one big play and, you know, three or four completions out of that, that's going to save me as a play caller. That's going to move the change, keep moving the change. You know, four, three or four extra first downs is big in an NFL game. Now, Transitioning to uh, the Steelers backup here, Mason Rudolph, uh, you hear a lot in the kind of the national spotlight that uh, a, a lot of people think he's definitely not the option moving forward. And then kind of more locally, you, you hear some some rumblings that he's improving and he's growing on his game. I'm just curious if you think someone like that could be uh, the future of the team. I don't know anything about Mason Rudolph, to be honest with you. I, I would be I would be. I would be doing you guys a disservice if I told you one way or the other, honestly. Uh, I think that I hear the same thing that you hear as far as uh, there's potential for them to make a move and bring someone else in to compete with that spot for what that looks like. That probably tells you, you know, enough of what the organization believes is the long-term future of that position. I think it'll be fascinating to see what they do in the draft. But as far as me telling you that Mason Rudolph can play or can't play as a long-term answer, I would just be speculating. Now, just to kind of build off that, I guess, when it comes to taking a mid-round quarterback, it, it seems to be a, a little different than obviously that that top five flashy pick. How how long should it take for a, a mid-round guy to kind of develop and kind of potentially make themselves the starter? Well, I mean, that, that's a great question. I, I think it, it really depends on the situation. I think that the Steelers, for me, are, are one of the more interesting uh, places to land if you're a young quarterback in this draft. They're not young. They're all young. But like uh, someone who is uh, thinks that they're an NFL starter caliber guy right now. And so like I think of a guy like Kellen Mond. Like I'm a big fan of Kellen Mond. I think depending on the situation he's in, he's got the opportunity to be very successful. Got a skill set that translates well to Sundays, obviously needs to be a little bit more consistent, but could be someone that could really thrive by watching Ben Roethlisberger, how he operates as a pro, how he plays, how he prepares, how he does all those things. And then given an opportunity at some point, compete for the job. And so he's not the only one. There are a number of guys that could potentially fall into that tier. But as far as like, hey, he's a third round pick, we kind of give him two or three years. I don't, I don't think it, I, I think it, you know, it's hard to kind of make up artificial barriers like that. I think it, more of it is you look across the landscape of the league, the guys who are really good, I'm taking like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. They got the opportunity to sit for a little bit, you know, even even Patrick. And so the idea being that, hey, if we can get a guy that we think can be the long term future here, let's make that investment now. Let's invest in him learning, being ready to go when he gets an opportunity to go. So it'll be fascinating to see what, if anything, the Steelers decide to do. With this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are turning over uh, control of the offense from Randy Feekner, who was Ben Roethlisberger's quarterback coach and then took over as the offense coordinator, to Matt Canada, who has always run a very different style of offense. For a, for a situation like that, for, for when you have a veteran quarterback and you have a brand-new guy coming in who runs something incredibly different, like how difficult is that? Is that a situation where, where you kind of make it meet in the middle? Is that a situation where you know your offense coordinator is going to the quarterback and saying, hey, how, does, how are we going to make this work? Like 
in, in your experience, like how is that situation kind of resolved between an offensive coordinator and and a veteran quarterback? Yeah, I, I think the answer is yes, all the way all the way across the board. I think it is probably somewhere in the middle. I think that it you would be silly for the coach not to use Roethlisberger as a great kind of sounding board, well, but also kind of a barometer for what he can handle, what he wants to handle, what he's comfortable playing, what he has experience playing. It would be silly to scrap that and be like, hey, we're going to install my stuff because it's my stuff. I, I don't think that that happens, you know, outside of bad stories. And so it's just an idea of being what that looks like. I always think when things like that happen, it's a lot less about what training camp is like, a lot more about what does the team look like in December? You know, what does the team look like in Thanksgiving when they've had an opportunity, kind of like the Bucks this year? You know, if you looked at the Bucks early in the season, it kind of looked like a hodgepodge of some of Tom's plays, some of what they'd been doing beforehand. And then you look at them at the end of the year, and it's probably a mixture, but probably more of what Brady was comfortable running and had experience running. And so what, what it looks like, I would imagine it's something similar to that. But obviously, you know, they made that decision to go with that coach for a reason. And so they obviously want to use that skill set. But also, it was, you know, I, just imagine if you were going into a job and there was someone who was really good at their job that's available for you as a resource. Yeah, let's 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 use it. Let's do what they want to do. Now, JT, I'm curious the difference in relationships when it comes uh, from a quarterback and offensive coordinator and a quarterback and uh, a quarterback coach specifically. Yeah, I think it depends. It depends on the situation. I think the quarterback coach is oftentimes a kind of conduit between the coordinator and the position, whether it's, you know, is there an established starter? Is it a competition room? What does that look like? But oftentimes the coordinator just doesn't have the time to sit down and meet every single quarterback meeting and go over every single snap that a quarterback coach does. So really every situation is different. If it's the play caller, the former quarterback coach, and now they, you know, they've established someone to be the quarterback coach and take over that type of thing. Again, it's just different. Every I've been situations where you never see the coordinator except for, you know, the overall install of the game plan. And then I've been in some situations where the co coordinator is in every meeting and we're watching every snap of practice, every snap of preparation together. And so it really just depends on how they want to differentiate what their roles and responsibilities are. And I, and I think it matters who the starter is. I think it matters if there's a long-term relationship there, if they already know each other, you know, they don't necessarily have to understand the expectations for every single play that sometimes you do in a new staff or a new coordinator, a new play caller, those types of things. All right. The Steelers currently have Mason Rudolph and they have Dwayne Haskins uh, sitting behind Ben Roethlisberger for a, a rookie coming in, if they do draft a rookie, bring in a guy this this draft, you know, a deep room like that where clearly someone is going to get, you know, is going to not going to be there. They're not going to carry four quarterbacks. Uh, but there's also so much potential with Ben Roethlisberger being at the end of his career to, to really take the reins of a franchise. Uh, is that a tough spot for a rookie to go into? Or is that or do you think that kind of depth around him would be beneficial? I mean, it depends, I guess. You know, if you're a six-round draft pick, yeah, that's going to be a tough spot. If you're a first-round draft pick, second-round draft pick, you know, you don't uh, – I would, it would – they're invested in you. They're, you're not getting cut. And so, it, you know, all of a sudden, you know, to me, I think every team would love to have that kind of problem, have that kind of depth. I probably am a bigger fan of Dwayne Haskins than uh, the majority of people across the landscape of the league, if you, if you just ask now. I think that 
certain plays and certain decisions, certain optics. Certainly haven't been good enough to be an established guy in the league, but to just scrap what I think his potential is, was uh, moving forward. I think it's a great play by the Steelers to take a chance and see what that looks like development-wise moving forward. I just think it's a good problem to have. I know people love to say, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Well, you know, the game has evolved. It really has. You can see what happens when, you know, some teams lose their starter and they go in the toilet for the rest of the year. Some teams lose their starter and win the Super Bowl. And so I think it's a strategic advantage to have a deep room. I think it's difficult to have a deep room for the long term. But if you can have a deep room as often as possible and create that kind of competitive environment, that's just the name of the game. It doesn't matter where you go. You know, every every quarterback room thinks that they're deep. Now, they're, they're obviously not all deep like that, but that's just the reality of every position group in every organization across the board. And so it's just it's a little bit more prolific when it's the quarterbacks and everybody knows the quarterbacks and everybody knows, you know, the, the national names. Now, you mentioned Dwayne Haskins. I'm curious, JT, if you have any kind of insider, any thoughts on why he, he kind of failed in Washington? Uh, I don't have any insider stuff. I, I have, I, I know some of the people that were in Washington. I've never spoken to them about, you know, what they think or what did or didn't happen. I think it's a combination. When, when all, when things like this happen, it's never just one thing. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a new, you know, Ron Rivera coming in there, uh, changes made to the offensive staff. I think expectations. And then at the end of the day, it's just performance. Like it just wasn't good enough to be a consistent starter. You get an opportunity in the league. You get a very, finite number of opportunities in the league to play. And if you don't make the most of it, they're going to move on from you pretty quickly. And that's just, the, unfortunately, the way it happened for him. And now, the thing about it is you look across the landscape of the league and there are a number of guys that are on their second or third organization that are pretty good football players that, you know, depending on the situation they're in, all of a sudden look like they're a lot better. You know, I think the easy name is like uh, Tannehill. But even guys like, you know, well, Sam Darnold's another example. He's going to go to get a fresh start. You know, what does that look like? Is he able to make the most of that situation? Is that a better situational fit for him, better organization, all those types of things? And you just never know. I think like guys like Michael Dick, you know, to get another opportunity at a different organization, obviously different circumstances. But again, it, it really does depend on luck. I personally am a big fan of the stability that the Steelers bring to an organ to a player, and a, you know that type of mindset that you're just not going to get at every single organization. You know, I'm not going to take shots at certain organizations, but you look across the landscape of the league and there are teams that have been stable, successful, long-term winners, consistent, somewhat consistent, and there are teams that haven't. And so I think it matters if you're a young quarterback, if you're fortunate enough to be at one of those franchises. Okay, looking at this draft class with the quarterbacks, uh, how how many quarterbacks do you see or do you imagine get taken before the Steelers pick? We picked 24th this year. Is there going to be, you know, how many how many quarterbacks can realistically go that high? I mean, I, I'm, I'm not like a mock draft guru. I really, I, I don't even, you know, I, I don't really think about it. I think that there are at least six first-round quarterbacks in this draft. Now, will there be six taken in the first round? I don't know. Uh, I think that there certainly could be a run really quickly. You know, it'll be interesting to see what actually happens in San Francisco. And then, you know, depending on who's available, that could potentially make people move up and, and move around those types of things. But there could be a run in the top 10, like we've never seen before. So it's just a matter of what's available at 24. You know, you're absolutely right. You know, if you're all of a sudden 
again, you're not going to draft someone that you have a, you know, third round grade on at pick 24, just because you want a quarterback, you know, that's not going to, there, there might not be someone available that you want at that spot. So we'll, uh, you know, I, I don't have an answer for you. I can tell you that I think that this class is deep. I don't think it's quite as uh, great as everyone thinks it is, but I think it's uh, deeper at the top than probably most people realize. Now, earlier today, I heard your hit on Vancouver Radio kind of ranking uh, the, the top quarterbacks here, going Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson. Uh, I'm curious the next list of names and how you'd kind of order them, perhaps even going five deep past them. Jeez, I don't know if I can go five deep past them. Uh, <laughs> I would say, you know, I personally – I'm a big fan. I think it's pretty obvious if you follow the channel. I'm a big fan of Justin Fields. I, I also don't think that Trevor Lawrence, you know, I know Trevor Lawrence has been the clear-cut guy for so long that he kind of gets a pass as far as the full evaluation that a lot of people are doing on him. So that, that to me, is interesting to circle back on in a few years to see if how it pans out in Jacksonville with the Urban Meyer experiment. And then I'm a big fan of Zach Wilson, too. You know, I mean, he throws the ball really well. I'm very jealous of his the way that he can spin it, those types of things. I think that those three guys have established themselves as the class of the class. Uh, and then from there, I think Trey Lance is a very intriguing prospect. I really do. I think he's got a huge upside. I think he showed a lot for a young college player at a really good program. I think it's unfortunate that he's gotten kind of coveted out of the opportunity to evolve and, exp and take his game to the next level, at least in front of scouts and players on tape. You know, I, I do such an incomplete analysis because all I do is tape certainly an important part of it, but I'm not never talking to the prospects. I don't know where they are in their development, those types of things. So Trey Lance falls in the next group for me. Uh, obviously, Mac Jones for a lot of people. I probably am higher on Kellen Mond than I am on Mac Jones. I know that's probably not what, what most people hear or say. That's just me. I, I personally really like Kellen Mond. I think he's a little stiff. You know, I, I would prefer him to be looser just because I think it leads to more consistency, a better stroke as far as being able to spin it, ball control. And then from there, I think it kind of falls into like Kyle Trask, Davis Mills, you know, that type of that tier, which is not a bad tier. That's like a mid-round tier for me in a really deep class. And then you start getting into, you know, are those the guys that the Steelers try to make a move on in the middle of the rounds where, you know, I, I couldn't tell you the difference between Mason Rudolph and Kyle Trask. I, I really couldn't. Okay, with a guy like uh, – you covered a little bit on Kellen Mond earlier. With a guy like a Kyle Trask, what does he bring uh, to the field? What does, he, what does he bring – what are his strengths in, in his game? I mean, he had a great season this year. You know, uh, unless you're watching a lot of, you know, Florida Gator uh, football, you probably flies under the radar a little bit. But he had a great season you know, all the way up until the end. Now, the, the wheels came off there at the end. There's a lot of reasons why that happened especially in this season where people were tapping out towards the end, especially with bowl games, not going into games, you know, fully armed as far as your weapons on the perimeter. When you go back and watch him throw, he's got some great uh, deep ball accuracy. He's a playmaker, being really consistent with the ball. Now those things fall off at the end of the year. I think they, off the top of my head, they lose three games towards the end and they're kind of sloppy, ugly games. It's just that part of it leaves a sour taste in your mouth, a little bit of like recency bias. But when you go back and look at the entire body of work from 20 and 20, I was shocked, not shocked. I was just impressed with how well he delivered the ball, how consistent he was throwing the ball, what, you know, 
what went into his game to be able to have the stats that he had. And it, and it comes from the consistency of the ball location, the decision-making at the first two thirds of the season. Now, the last part, you know, you'd love to figure out, you know, what exactly went wrong, where to go sideways, those types of things. Now, when it comes to the draft, we've kind of seen in recent years the quarterback position going higher and higher. Of course, most important position in the game. With this year's kind of draft, we're kind of buckling up to see potentially five quarterbacks go in that kind of top 10 picks. Do you think that that has something to do with how talented these guys are, or is just the quarterback position in general become so important that you you have to try to get as, as much talent as early as you possibly can get it? Yeah, I mean, yes. Uh, I think the other variable that I would add to that is that the, the position and game has evolved, right? I mean, it's more offensive friendly. It's, uh, it's as offensive friendly as ever as it ever has been. The other part of it is the position has evolved, where now where you're running the quarterback, where the younger levels of football have changed, where now potentially, you know, a decade ago, two decades ago, the best athlete might not play quarterback. Nowadays, the best athlete is playing quarterback. And so you see great athletes. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is a huge dude. He's a freak of an athlete. Zach Wilson is a better athlete than you think. You turn on the film, he's twitchy, he's explosive. Justin Fields is obviously a freak of an athlete. Kellen Mond, very good athlete. These guys are the best athletes, some of the best athletes on the field of freaks. So it's one of those things where I think it's harder to pass on guys like that or not take advantage of that type of skill set when it's all of a sudden available and you have one of those picks. And so it's, I think all of those reasons are why that kind of, yes, the position is the most important in the game. Yes, you don't get an opportunity to pick that high very rare. You hopefully very rarely, and then you want to take advantage of it unless you've got an established guy and or a guy you're already invested in. All right, now you said you like Kellen Mond better than Mac Jones, so I want to give you a chance to uh, talk about what you see in Mac Jones because uh, he is someone that the Steelers are getting that has been mocked frequently to Steelers and that people are talking about possibly being a guy the Steelers would pick up. So what are your thoughts on Mac Jones? I, I, I really like Mac Jones. I think it's very impressive the year that he had. He had a great year. Uh, I think he obviously I, – I hesitate to use this word because it's so cliche right now, thrown around. But you can see how well he plays the game from within his own head, meaning that he's processing, he's getting through things quickly, he's not forcing the ball down the field, he's very, being very smart, he's running that offense at a really high level. I think the thing that for me was interesting to go back and watch the Mac Jones film was just to see the difference between the style of play that they played with Tua and the style of play that they played with Mac Jones. Not different bad, almost different good a little bit because it was a little bit more play action-y, a little bit more down the field, different types of throws, not as RPO heavy. And so it was refreshing to see them be able to adapt and change to what Mac Jones does really well and then him go out and do it at a really high level. He he didn't necessarily he just changed the way that they play offense. Now obviously he was surrounded by really good players and everybody in the draft was surrounded by really good players. Clemson has really good players. Uh, Ohio State has really good players. So I don't I never loved that take on it, but for me I loved how quickly he processes. He's quicker than you think. He's not fast. Right? Like he's not going to get out and run away from someone in the NFL. But is he quick enough and subtle enough to move around in the pocket and create space? Yes. Is it as good as Joe Burrow like last year? No, but it's that kind of world where he's subtle enough to be able to make plays from within the confines of the pocket. Maybe not when it 
play totally breaks down and he's going to get outside the pocket and use his vision, make somebody miss, spin around. He's not going to do that type of stuff, but he is going to be able to create some time, move around, be creative from within the pocket and deliver the ball down the field, be accurate, show anticipation, be smart with the ball, all the things that many franchises would love to have in their quarterback position. So yeah, he's an intriguing prospect. One of the names we haven't mentioned yet today, Davis Mills, is, is someone that seems to be kind of climbing up uh, some some draft boards. Uh, I know there's some people that view him as the sixth best best quarterback in this class. Are you able to speak on him and uh, why he's kind of viewed in so many different positions? Yeah, I had a lot of people on the channel reach out to me about him. I ended up doing almost a week of videos just on Davis Mills. I didn't know much about him beforehand. He certainly has flashes of throws that look like they're Sunday-type throws, meaning – uh, drive throws down the field, outside the numbers, anticipation throws, deep balls, things that you have to kind of be able to do to play in the league for a long time. Definitely don't think it was as consistent as the rest of those guys at the top of the draft. You know, I also don't think he's quite as dynamic of an athlete. Not necessarily a bad athlete. He's still a big, strong dude, looks the part. But those guys at the top, Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Kellen Mond even, Trey Lance, those guys are freak athletes. They're explosive twitchy, can create on their own. Davis Mills is not going to get out and, you know, run power read in the red area or, you know, create kind of consistently outside the pocket. And not that those are disqualifiers. There's just limits to what his athletic ability think, can bring compared to those other guys. And that's why you don't hear him mentioned quite in that top tier. But he's certainly worth mentioning and worth exploring if you're looking for that mid-round, you know, early mid-round opportunity to add depth in the room. Absolutely. Looking at this draft class with the crazy season that college football had in 2020, uh, in your opinion, just just estimate, how difficult would it be for a quarterback facing such an irregular season, uh, not being able to really get into quite a set schedule, not as much as as you're used to, uh, and with all with all the craziness that COVID has brought, what how is, do you think that could affect the draft? and how te- teams view the quarterbacks in this class? Uh, I think it's definitely going to be a factor. I think it. Uh, I was mentioning it to someone today. It'll be fascinating to go back in five years and see who were the players that either decided not to play or you know sat out or had, were severely impacted by the COVID experience. And you know who gets a steal? early in the second round from someone who didn't play this year that all of a sudden looks like a clear cut. What do we miss? Well, he didn't play for a year, you know, and, and the recency bias is a big thing. And, and I think it will be fascinating to see what organizations do. Do they take a swing on someone who didn't play this past year because of all the work they put in before uh, the pandemic, those types of things that I think will be really interesting to go back and see. I could only imagine how difficult it would be to play quarterback when you don't get to practice you don't get to do the off-season work with your teammates. You don't get to, you know, get that timing, that detail, the nuance of what a really precision passing game takes. It's all taken away from you. And then you have to come into a condensed short season, all sorts of uncertainty, ambiguity surrounding you. You know, maybe a opponent cancels or, you know, you have to reschedule or things like that that's just out of whack in a normal football. Football is so scheduled and regulated. You know exactly where you're supposed to be next. And that's just not the case anymore. Uh, it's certainly not the case in football at any level right now. And so the people that are able to make the most of those situations, I think, will 
end up rising to the top through this experience. But I'm telling you right now, there will be people that will think back on me like, I can't believe, you know, we didn't talk more about Jamie Newman. Well, you know, and I'm not saying Jamie Newman specifically, but guys who opted out, who, you know, we just don't get an opportunity to see the growth from that some of these teams get to go see and are like, wow, this guy looks like a different human being. Well, it's been 18 months. You're like, yeah, they, they grow, they get better, they improve, all those types of things that, that I think will be fascinating. JT, before we let you out of here, I have to ask about your time with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and uh, playing with uh, Corey Chamberlain. Oh, do you know Corey? Uh, I didn't work with him personally, but uh, I spent some time with uh, with uh, some CFL guys. It was an interesting experience. I really enjoyed the uh, the Saskatchewan fan base. The league is really cool. I got a chance to uh, visit a bunch of the, the great Canadian cities, got a chance to vacation out there a little bit. I had a blast. I really did. Uh, you know, I would love to have played more. It didn't work out playing-wise, but the actual experience of being on a team, the organization, the fan base, uh, it was great. I had a blast. Awesome. JT, thank you so much for your time. Uh, before we let you go, if there's a, I, I know you got the QB school. If there's anything else you want to plug uh, before we let you get out? No, I appreciate you uh, mentioning the quarterback school. I have a lot of fun with it on YouTube. And then if you're looking for just more of that type of content, the deeper dive stuff is the courses that are available. But again, I, I really have fun with the channel. It's fun to go back and forth and just have fun with football. Love it. Thank you so much again for uh, coming on with us today. And uh, we'll let you get on with the, with the rest of your day. Appreciate it. Y'all take care. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, that was JT O'Sullivan of uh, the QB school, former NFL quarterback, of course, and CFL quarterback, like uh, we uh, briefly mentioned there, but we are at the top of the, our, our half hour here. So if you're listening on the podcast platform, make sure you're clicking over to the second part. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, just hang tight. It's time for today's lucky land horoscope with Victoria cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land. You know what they say? Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today 
at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.